0: I have just a few moments to share something I think very, very important to everybody who is listening. Ushers, if we have folks coming in, if you can help them get into their seats as soon as possible, that would be great. And then once again, in just a few moments, I'll conclude our orchestra is staying in place because they are going to be a part of the music presentation momentarily. I want to thank you very much for coming. This is a Bible-preaching church, and I want to share with you just a little bit about the Bible before we go to Romans chapter 4. The Bible is given to us for two reasons. Number one, to show us how we can be reconciled with God, how we can have our sins forgiven, how we can know for sure when life is over, we'll go to heaven. That's why God gave us the Bible. Everybody needs to have some time in their life when someone takes the Bible and shows them how they can go to heaven from here. Because in our heart of hearts, everyone, even people who would deny the existence of a heaven, deny the existence of a hell, they know because God put it in our conscience that we're not going to just die and be done. We're going to live forever someplace. A hundred years from now, all that will matter for all of us is where we live. In heaven with God, or in hell without Him. Those are the only two options that God gave us. And this is why we're here this morning. This is why Easter morning, the Resurrection Sunday, is so big and so important. Because God doesn't want anyone to go into eternity without Him. He wants every one of you to experience what the Bible calls the glory of God. He wants you to be one day with Him. So that's why we have the Scriptures. For just a few moments, I want to share with you, the second reason God gave us the Bible is to teach us how to live after we know, number one. You, anyone, can read the Bible. If you can read, you can read the Bible. But not everyone can discern what they're reading unless you have the author living inside of you. It's very important that you and I have first an understanding of who Jesus is to us before we understand the Scriptures. Now, the Bible comes to us. It's one book with 66 books inside. The first 39 were written, they called the Old Testament, before Jesus came. The last section is 27 books, and they were written uh, after Jesus went back to heaven. There are 66 books. There are 40 different instruments or people that God used to write the Bible. Most of them never met each other. The man who wrote the first book, the oldest book of our Bible, Job, never met John, who lived 1,600 years later. But they write in the same book without contradictions. Because it's not really man's book. You will say, oh, that book's just written by men. And it is, just like the letter I wrote today was written by this pen. But when the people get my letter, they won't say, well, that pen wrote me a nice letter. No. They'll say, Pastor wrote me the letter. I moved on the paper what I wanted it to say and who I wanted it to go to. I moved it, but the pen wrote it. What we believe is that the Bible is written by God. But he used human instruments to speak. He says of himself, this book was not written in old time by the will of man. That means uh, old prophets say, yeah, I'm going to write some of the Bible. But holy men of God, men who belong to God, spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But the Bible is so wonderful. I love it. I love it. And the more I read it, the less I have to be convinced it's real. If you you start reading the Bible, you realize it's something special about this book. You can master Louis L'Amour or Agatha Christie, but you cannot master this book. You can master a history book or a science book that you got in the seventh grade or in, in your college graduate work, but you can't master the Bible. While you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. It speaks not just to our intellect. It speaks to our conscience. And I love the Bible. Well, the Bible is about Jesus. That's the main character of the Bible. From the very first words of our Bible to the end, Jesus is the theme. He's also referred to as the Word of God. Say, so what does Jesus believe? He believes the Word. He is the Word. Now, I know it's just pages, but what it says reveals Jesus to us. And so this morning, I want to take just a few moments and talk to you about what is the man, what is the meaning, and what is the message of Easter, of the resurrection? Why did God give us a resurrection? Why is it needed? Now, most of us, since we're living in America, most of us are familiar with Easter. And whether we go to church, there are folks who just go to church on Christmas and Easter. And I would encourage you to go every week. However, I do believe there are some deeper meanings about it. And I want us to see what the Bible says. We can go to many different passages of Scripture, but we have just a few moments. So we're going to Romans chapter number 4. And would you stand with me? And those of you who don't have a Bible this morning, you can read along on the screen. Brother Dwight has been so gracious to get this ready for me. Verse number 24 of chapter 4, and we'll continue reading through chapter 5. Thank you very much for being with us this morning. Verse 24, and let's all of us look at it and prayerfully look at verse 24. I'll read 24, you read 25 with me. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed, that means put on our account, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Verse 25, can you read it with me? Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again. Okay, so this is talking about Jesus. God sent Jesus, and his righteousness could become our righteousness because of two things. Number one, That he died so we could live. He died for our offenses. What's another word for offenses that comes to your mind? Sin. Yeah. He died for our sins, but he rose again so we could be justified. Justification is a Bible term, but it means to be declared innocent before God. Let's look at verse number 1 of chapter 5. And how about you read that with me, would you please? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, I'll read it. By whom also we have accessed by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, read it with me, would you please? And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation, worketh, and patience, experience, and experience hope. Verse 5, and hope maketh not a shame, because of the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Verse 6, read it with me too, please. For when we were yet without strength, verse number 7, the Bible says, for scarcely for a righteous man would one die. So who's going to die for another guy who's just about perfect? Yet, peradventure, for a good man, a man who's some good, some bad, would some even dare to die? Most people wouldn't die for just anybody. But look what God did for us. Verse 8, read it out loud. But God, in that while we were yet, much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved saved from our sin, that would bring us wrath through Jesus, through him. We can have Jesus. We don't have to have the wrath of God upon us. Verse number 10. Let's read it together and we can conclude. Ready? For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. Our Heavenly Father, in the few moments we're together, may you help me to convey the truth of God's word today. We ask this, that you would help us. Lord, I can speak out loud, but I cannot speak to people's hearts, but you can. And I want everybody in here to understand the truth of the resurrection and the peace that can be experienced because of it. Please help me, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. I'm going to ask if you would, please, wherever you're seated in the auditorium, if you would stay seated unless you're ill, and then if you would not talk to anyone for a few moments, uh, for a while I share with you, not because I'm sharing it with you, because I'm nothing, but the Word of God is very important, so we want to give everybody an opportunity to hear it exactly as the Word of God is given to us, if you would, please, this morning. With that in mind, I want to ask you a couple things. First of all, don't you know that this world's in a mess, Most people, they don't understand peace. We want peace in Jerusalem. We want peace in America. We want peace on our streets. But I think the Bible tells us that as time goes on, men are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving others and being deceived themselves. Peace is something that people pursue, but only God can give it. I want to share with you a little bit at verse number one of chapter five. We understand that Jesus died for our offenses and he rose again for our justification. Look at chapter five, verse number one, and you'd put it back on the screen if you would, please. That'd be very helpful. Let's look at verse number one. Are you ready? It says, therefore, ready? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have... I want to talk to you just for a few moments of having peace with God. Before anything else in this world, you and I need to have peace with God. I want you to know why you need peace with God, and I want to give it to you. I can't give it to you personally, but I know that God wants you to have peace with Him, and you need peace with Him. Uh, I, want you to, I want you to see three words real quickly, and then we'll come back to some, some explanation. Would you go and now look at verse number six? There are three words that God calls us, that we all have, In our own abilities. Verse 6 says, for when we were yet without strength, that means you can't save yourself. You don't have the ability to save yourself or take yourself to heaven or forgive your own sin. In due time, even though we didn't have the ability, Christ died for who? So number one, God says, the reason you're not at peace with God is because God's holy and we're not. We are ungodly. Would you look at verse number 8, would you please? Here's the next thing the Bible tells us. You can read it on your screen there. Let's read it together. Ready? But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet. So not only does he say we're we're ungodly, but in this verse, he says we are sinners. So number one, we are. Number two, we are. Look at verse number 10. Would you look at verse 10? What the Bible says in verse number 10? Read it with me, if you would, please. For if when we were, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be... Hey, God says, number one, we're ungodly. Number two, we're sinners. Verse number 10 says, number three, we are... Do you know what? Every one of us have a problem. That is, without Christ... God, we're enemies of God. We're against him. He sees us when our sin, he sees us in our ungodly state. He sees us in our sinful state. See, pastor, what's the big deal about Easter? The big deal about Easter is, is that you and I have issues with God and every one of us are going to stand before him one day. In just a few days, you're going to stand before God. And you got a problem with him, and he's got a problem with me and you because we are ungodly, we are, we, we are sinful, and we are enemies. We're in animosity with him. But God doesn't want to keep it that way. So, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that you can have peace with God. Verse 1 says, "...therefore, because Jesus died for us and he rose again..." We can be justified by faith. And we can have peace with God. Easter, the resurrection, is about three concepts. It is having peace for my past is number one. See, all I'm 54 years old. However old you are is how long you have been living on this world. And during that time, We have sinned against a holy God. David said in the Bible, "'Against thee and thee only have I sinned "'and done this evil in thy sight.'" If you've committed adultery or fornication, you first offended God before you offended yourself or anyone else. If you stole from someone, if you've lied or you've gotten mad and said, "'Ah, and you've damned the name of God "'or his son Jesus Christ.'" Your first offense is not against someone who said, oh, excuse my French. No, your first offense is the God of heaven. He gave us ten rules. No other gods before us. For him. He's number one. No one else in front of Well, all of us have broken that. He says, number two, I don't want you to worship idols. I don't want you to set up anything in front of me. Now, we think about worshiping an idol or of a, a stone or a silver or gold, but it really is anything. Some of us, we love the show American Idol. It's someone who wants worship in front of God. We've all done that. We have stayed awake for two and a half hours watching a baseball game and fallen asleep in 15 minutes of of a church service. We put other things and we value that ahead of time. Number three, don't take God's name in vain. Don't Get mad and say, God, and damn his name. When you get mad, don't say, Jesus and Christ in oath. No, but that's what I've done. I've done that. You've done that. No one gets mad and says, oh, Buddha, and damns his name. We damn the name of God, the God of the Bible, and his son, Jesus. He said, remember the Sabbath day. Remember one day and give it to God. What do we do on Sundays? We do whatever we want to do. Super Bowl Saturday. Have you heard that one? No. Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, let's take anything and put it in place of God. We pick and choose what we do on the Lord's Day. He said, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. That's the first commandment. But every one of us have disappointed and hurt and disobeyed our parents. Some of us do it in our youth, and some of us do it all the way through our life because you always have a lifelong responsibility to honor your parents. And what you do in private either puts puts blessings or discouragement based upon our, our, our conduct to our family. Then he says, don't steal. Don't kill. Someone said, well, I'm pretty good with that one. Well, God, Jesus even elevates all of these. He says, look, he says, someone says, well, I don't kill, but if you say I hate you, he said, you've committed murder already in your heart. Don't commit adultery. And then he says, don't covet. Don't want what somebody else has. Have that itch for more. They just, I got to get, I got to get this. He that that's sin. And all of those things cause us to be enemies of God, ungodly and sinners. And do you know what you need? What I needed?" I needed peace for my past. The next verse, look if you would please in verse number two. And the Bible says this, by whom also we have access by faith. By the way, you'll keep seeing the word faith pop up because that's going to be very important. I'll share that with you in just a moment. Faith unto the grace wherein we stand. See, when Jesus died for our offenses and he rose again for justification, he not only solved and gave us peace for our past, but he gives us grace for our present. Grace is God's help. Do you know, you need help to get to heaven. You can't do it by yourself. But you need help every day of your life, don't you? I do. I. Whenever Jesus died for my sins and he rose again, he gave me peace with a God who has a lot against me. And he gave me grace for my present. And the rest of verse number two, read it with me if you would please. Verse number two, the Bible says this, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the what? And I have glory for my present. I have hope for my future, excuse me. What what I have hope for is I'm going to see God one day. When you see the glory of God in the Bible, it speaks oftentimes of the joy of seeing and living with him forever. So what's the big deal about the crucifixion, the passion of Christ, and the resurrection? It gives me peace for my past so I can have peace with God. It gives me grace for my present, and it gives me hope for my future, which is that I will enjoy eternity with God. With that in mind, I want to talk to you about three things about the resurrection. Number one, the person and the man of the resurrection is all about Jesus. See, Jesus was alive before he was born. He always was. Okay? He always was, and he was sent to the earth. I mean, he always was. He's God, and he, he never had a beginning. Okay? So he was alive before he was born. And then he he lived and died, and now he's alive again. He's alive after he died. And whenever someone makes peace with God, they have to accept his gift of eternal life. Jesus, the one who knew no sin, became sin for us. Some of you, I was talking to a man this week, and he told me what religion was, and I told him, that's fine, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the virgin birth. I said, why is it important that Jesus was born of a virgin? Well, he didn't know. He had, he had gone to all the schools, and, but he didn't know that answer. But Let me tell you why it is. It's because you and I have something in common. Men, women, regardless of the pigment of your skin, all of us have something in common. We all have a human father. Jesus did not. The Bible says when Adam sinned, well, though death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. You say, why did Mary have to be a virgin? Because if Joseph or any other human being would have been Jesus' father, and you know why we sin, we sin because it's our nature. My beautiful wife here, Linda, we have nine children. They're all stinkers just like us. We didn't have to teach them how to lie. We didn't have to teach them how to be lazy. They just came that way. We didn't have to teach them how to lose their temper, how to get mad at their brother or sister and pull their hair or punch them. They just came that way. You know why? Because they got me in them. And I got my dad in me. And he had his dad in him, and we have Adam in us. But Jesus did not have that. He didn't have that nature to sin. He was tempted like we were tempted, but he didn't say yes like I've said yes and you've said yes. So the person of the resurrection is Jesus, and that's who you need. See, you're going to exit this world either with your sin, with a God who you—he looks at you as ungodly and sinners and enemies— If you don't have peace, or you're going to go into eternity with God's son, with your sin and a fair trial with a God who knows everything about you or with his son and a free pardon. I don't know about you, but I don't want that fair trial. I want the free pardon. I want peace for my past. I want grace for my present. I want hope for my future. How do I have that? but because there's a person, it's Jesus. The meaning of the the resurrection is this. It's peace, it's grace, it's hope. That's what's provided when Jesus came out of that grave on that Sunday morning. He gave a possibility for us to have peace, grace, and hope. And then I want to tell you the message. The message of the resurrection is this. We are ungodly sinful, and enemies with a God who's holy and righteous and just. Here's what the Bible says. For all have sinned and come short of what? You can't one day live with God forever in your own righteousness. You can't. You could say, well, I'm trying to be as good as I can. You can't be good enough. Well, I got baptized. Water can't wash away your sin. Well, I'm a member of this church, and I'm doing the best I can. A church can't give you eternal life. No, the, the, the message of the resurrection is that we're sinners, and we can't save ourselves. The second thing, if we tried to earn our way to heaven, we would have to go to hell, to the lake of fire. The Bible says very clearly, in Adam, everyone who has Adam in them, they all die. And when you talk about death in the Bible, it's not just physical, it's spiritual. There's two deaths. One, both of them are separation. The first death is separation from your body and your soul and your loved ones. The second separation is separation from God in the lake of fire. The last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation, chapter 20, verse 14, the Bible says this, and death, those people who had died, and those people who were put in hell temporarily will be cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, there's a book called the book of life. God keeps that book. And the people who stay in that book are people who have believed and received and who have made peace with God while they were living. Then they, if you don't have peace with God, if you have not been put in the book of life, if you've not been born again, The Bible says we'll be put into a lake of fire. That's separation forever in a horrible place. So the first thing we have to understand is that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. The price for being a sinner is to spend eternity separated from God in the lake of fire. Number three is that Jesus died. He was buried and he rose again. He did all that was to be done. The wages of sin is death, and Jesus paid for us. There's a beautiful verse in the Bible. For God so loved the... You're in that world. God loves you, ma'am. God loves you, sir. And he loves you so much that he sent himself, Jesus, God in the flesh, to live a perfect life, to die a cruel death, to be laid into a grave, and he resurrected him again. He died so you and I could live. He, the innocent who didn't have any sin, died for me, who has a lot of sin. I'm ungodly. I'm a sinner. I'm an enemy with God. But God says, I can make peace with you, John. Yes, you deserve hell. But I'm going to send Jesus, and he's going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You don't have the strength to do it. I don't have the strength to do it. Then Jesus took our place on the cross. And now he offers us a gift. And the gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. A gift has to be two things. It has to be free, and it has to be accepted. If I have a gift for you, I can't say, I'm going to give you this gift, give me $5. No. If I give you a gift, it's something that has to be free. You can't, I can't get strings attached. But it also has to be accepted. I can have gifts to you. Say, here, take it. Here, take it. But it's only yours if you accept it. Then it's yours. And if you go and you go to, let's say I give you two tickets to a symphony and you go watch the symphony, you're getting your seats and someone says, hey, I know him. Hey, what are you doing here? You say, well, I I got free tickets. They could say when. You could say, well, 1125, where? First Baptist Church. Who? My friend John. You'd go back to a time and a place and a person when you accepted that gift. Well, everyone who has made peace with God will have a time and a place when you believe and receive the gift of eternal life. That's what Easter is about. Easter is about having peace for my past, grace for my present, God helping me today, and hope for my future. And that has to start with making peace with God. Have you made peace with God? Have you accepted his gift of eternal life? I don't know you. There are a lot more of you than there is of me. But somewhere in this room, and maybe on the the television screen you're looking at, or maybe on the radio station you're you're tuned into, there's somebody who says, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven let me tell you how you can know that number one you'll need to know and admit and believe that i'm in trouble with god i'm a sinner i'm ungodly he's on one side and i'm on the other side we're enemies he's holy and i'm not i can't i can't i can't reconcile in my own abilities number two That if I spent, if I tried to pay for my own sin, I'd have to go to the lake of fire forever, separated from a God who doesn't want it that way. Number three is to believe in your heart that Jesus died. He was buried and he rose again so you could be saved. And then to accept his gift of eternal life. You say, Pastor, you take tickets by taking your hand and receiving them. How do you take eternal life? In the Bible, in Romans chapter 10, the Bible tells us how. He says, that if thou, if you and me, would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and then believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then we could be saved, saved from our sin, given eternal life. Verse 10 says this, for with the heart... Man believeth into righteousness. That means with your heart, you'll need to believe that only through Jesus I can have eternal life. And then with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. You need to believe it here and ask God to save you. This morning on this Easter Sunday, 2022, I'm so glad we can be together. But there are some of you, if we died in this very moment, we wouldn't be together forever because you have not made peace with God. You don't have peace for your past. As God looks at you, he looks at you with your sin. But if you've been saved, he doesn't look at you at your sin. He looks at you through his son. I live just about an hour, excuse me, an hour. (laughs) I live about a mile from here. But if you walked into my house and I didn't know you, and you sat across the living room from me, I would not accept you. I would say, we need to pick up this conversation on the driveway. Let's go out. Because I don't know you. You just came and sat down in my house. And friend, if you try to go into God's eternal home in your own righteousness, he will reject you like I would reject you if you came into my home. But I have seven sons. If you came in behind one of my sons, I would accept you. If my son walk, opened the door, he, you walked in behind him, you could sit in my living room, and I don't even know you, but I would accept you because of my son. And you know, the truth of the matter is, the only way you can have eternal life is to have Jesus. Accepting his gift of eternal life. You either go into eternity with your sin, and some of you are here today. It's Easter, two thousand, and you've taken time to come. But you know and God knows that you've got issues with God and you don't have peace with him because you've never truly accepted Jesus as your peacemaker.